Hello, welcome once again to Cave of the Cross Apologetics, where we figure out why there is evil in this world, and uh, we have our answer. That's right. Check back two episodes, or four episodes. Uh, and so, uh, what we're doing is, of course, going through the, uh, Scott Christian's book, What About Evil? And uh, we are kind of um, hitting the the, uh, the 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 more explanation for his theodicy. His right. theodicy is the greater glory theodicy, which uh, essentially talks about the the focus of God uh, in evil, uh, and and the 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 flip kind of idea is that we always want to figure out why is evil happening to us, uh, you know, and and we kind of then focus in on ourselves and then. We have explanations for why God allows evil within that confines. And he says, no, it's just the opposite is God's at the center of the story. And ultimately his glory is the, is the, the primal focus for not just evil, but creation, the incarnation, all these things. And so uh, we, we looked at a great chapter on the incarnation. And now we look at kind of the second part of the incarnation after the birth, the death. And so, and so uh, that's what we're doing. So uh, yeah. we're so this one is on the suffering. Yeah, we're 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 suffering the redeemer in this, and so we're 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 looking at why or maybe the redeemer is suffering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so uh, we we start out in chapter fifteen here. Uh, One cannot speak of the problem with evil without speaking to the matter of divine suffering. Why does why does God have to suffer? Uh, why is that a necessary component? To the story, what was that even necessary to, to begin with? This is especially true with the Felix Culpa theodicy advocated here. In order to penetrate what transpires at the heart of the unique work of the redemption achieved by the incarnate God, we must take a deeper look into the inner life and the suffering that He had to endure. And uh, to, to 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 think that this is a, a short chapter, uh, I uh, of course uh, understood it fully. No, I had to read it twice because uh, I was, I was, uh, th- there's a lot here. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. And uh, if you don't get it the first time, um, it just means we, we got to read more books. We got to understand yeah. um, the implications for our beliefs and, and not just uh, kind of the easy answers we, we might want. Oh, Jesus suffered, died. That, that's, that's a nice story. Uh, but there are implications uh, to, to what that might mean. And luckily enough, uh, 400 years after Christ's death, uh, the, the councils uh, helped us out a, a right. lot. And, and they worked and, through a lot of these issues for <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. and, and <clears throat> they didn't have uh, TV or Twitter or any of the things to distract so, themselves. So, so, yeah, so yeah. they could spend time doing right. that, yeah. right? They, they had nothing else to do yeah. but, you know, eat and survive and yeah. try not to get killed by uh, the common cold and all that stuff. <laughs> So uh, Christensen tells us that the Redeemer revealed in the pages of Scripture is shaped by the picture of the suffering servant that's so powerfully brought out in Isaiah, you know, chapters um, 52 and 53. Yeah. He says the enigmatic uh, portrait of the coming Messiah as one who underwent incomprehensible terrors on behalf of the redeemed is essential, he says, to his greater glory, Theodos. I'll see if I have to uh, find the video and I'll, I'll try and link it here. But um uh, I've I've seen um, um, Christians go to uh, Israel in the heart and 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 uh, read people 
uh, just I, this Isaiah passage uh, to, to Jewish people, and they go, you know, what do you think about that? And mm, uh, mm. The, the idea is, well, I've never heard heard that before. Is that like from a, a Christian, uh, you know, a quote? <laughs> yeah. They go, no, that's actually from your scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Isaiah, and it's it's kind of a, a an interesting uh, lead off to that. So so um, the importance of that Isaiah passage, especially a time and a place where crucifixion isn't happening, um, you know, the 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 details of it uh, are are quite matching uh, with uh, that. Top, topological um, um, uh, perspective on on prophecy. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, did God die? Wow. Uh, you know, th- this is a this is a, a, a fun God question. Die? This is a fun question that uh, that uh, the, the Muslim apologists uh, kind kind of try and trap, and we've uh, us over maybe, the head maybe, maybe seen videos of that is is stopping people. Can God die? Well, in 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 your in your understanding, then uh, you know Jesus cannot be God, or uh, then, then uh, God can die. Which which one is it? Come on. <laughs> well, Jesus did not cease being God in his incarnation or his work of the redemption of the cross. His divine nature is inexcrutably joined to the human nature in one person. Uh, the uh, ineffable deity uh, condescends to life on the earthly plane. He 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 uh, uh, kind of allows himself to be uh, subject to it. And uh, to know and to experience the lowly conditions of humanity, including our suffering. So, so notice the first thing he wants us to understand here is that uh, the incarnation, mm-hmm. right? Jesus became man. So when we're trying to work through this question, did God die? We need to understand first that God became man, right? That's, that's the incarnation. That's kind of, that's at least the first step in terms of helping us work through this. Right. And, and this, this lowly condition, this, this uh, kind of normalcy, uh, we were just reading uh, yesterday for our family devotions in, in Matthew 13 about Jesus going back to his hometown and, and going to the synagogue and, and, and teaching in these profound ways, so much so that people uh, acknowledge the, the profundity of, of what he's saying and, and kind of the truth of it, but they go, don't we know this person's yeah, he's, family? He's, he's a just carpenter's a carpenter's son. son. Yeah. He can't speak of these things. And yeah. so their unbelief led him to, uh, to by, by his choice, not uh, perform any, any miracles. And, and he, he uh, again, a fulfillment of prophecy, even there where the, the, the prophets welcomed everywhere else, except in his, in his own hometown. <laughs> uh, and, and it's uh it's an interesting uh, concept there. So, um, this, this, uh, this, this paradox that has been brought out in this theodicy, um, is is hit uh, almost at every stage of, of Jesus's life. Is mm-hmm. here's the expected, here's the unexpected. We see it in the Old Testament again with with oh, it's always the firstborn, it's always the firstborn. Oh nope, it's always you know the, the thirdborn or the secondborn <laughs> that that comes to, to fruition here. It's the liar, it's the it's the coward, it's it's you know um, the, the 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 murderer. Um, th- these are the the ones that are that are lifted up even within the scope of. Um, um, Jesus's own family tree. The uh, two women that are mentioned there shouldn't even be there, <laughs> including <laughs> including a former prostitute That's herself. Right. And, <laughs> and so um, it's it's just um, in 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 one of our uh, episodes, I, I made a short clip where I said uh, the the kind of the unusual is usual as we usually should expect it from a, a, a transcendent God. Exactly. And so um, th- that's that's what we see here um, in 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 this kind of two um the two and one of 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 christ's incarnation and and to to devalue one is to devalue both of them and so that's that's um that's where the hard part comes in because it's such a unique 
uh, concept. It's a, such a unique um, moment that you can't really draw parallels to. You can kind of say, you know, it's the whole, like, uh, how do you explain the Trinity? Oh, it's an egg thing. Yeah, it, as long as you <laughs> say, you know, all analogies break down and, and here's the, the one few times where it, you know, it kind of hits on the truth. Um, but, uh, but to, the to Trinity is an egg thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, the shell, the, the yolk and the, the, the white stuff. I don't know, the, so yeah. <laughs> Fried, boiled. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you can have it many ways. Yeah. You know, that, that's what Jesus said. Yeah. <laughs> but to save us from suffering, he had to suffer. Okay. Did he? Okay. To rescue us from the death, the second person, the Trinity had to die. How can this be? Does God suffer? Surely the divine being cannot die. And that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, we have uh, this doctrine of the divine impassibility, right. right? The orthodox position, he tells us, of the early church, uniformly held to the impassibility of God, the belief that God, as God, does not experience suffering. Notice we're, 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 I mean, we're starting to get in trouble here, right? We have, does God really die? Can God really experience suffering, right? Mm -hmm. And, and of course, the orthodox position was no, God does not experience suffering. But if God does not suffer, does he not experience, does he not experience emotions either, mm -hmm. right? And, and if not, he asks, how can he even sympathize with our suffering? So, and yet the scriptures, clearly indicate as we read in, in the book of Hebrews that, you know, God identifies right. with our suffering. Yeah. And so he tells us that the contemporary discussion of this matter, uh, have, uh, generated a great deal of confusion and controversy with, uh, many Christians rejecting, uh, you know, the impassibility of God for a passable God, right? right? One that can suffer. Right. It makes, it makes it easier. It makes, <laughs> makes the math easier there. That's right. <laughs> However, the rejection of impassibility is based on significant misunderstandings of what the doctrine teaches. Mm. The view espoused by classic Orthodox theism says that God does not suffer, but that this does not mean that he is apathetic without feeling or compassion for others who suffer. The patristic writers made a strong distinction between two terms to describe mental states that have taken on entirely different meanings today, mm. affections and passions. Mm. Classical theism holds that God experiences affections, but not passions. All right, good. So this is going to help us in terms of working through this particular conductor. So. This right. is one of those things where the, the, mm. the uh, you know, the acronistic um, understanding when, when we, when we as Western uh, readers read back into into you know these Near East uh, 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 writers, and we ascribe the same meaning to, to that we do today, not realizing definitions change and yeah. we use words differently. Literally, what always happens <laughs> is what literally changes in definition form too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have this distinction here that he wants us to be aware of, right, of affections and passions. He says passions uh, in the older theology uh, are confined to human experience and indicate disordered, unruly, and often sinful uh, mental states, emotions, yeah. Yeah. right? Weeping uh, and gnashing of teeth, <laughs> passions. Yeah. They are involuntary, right, passive, and um, their involuntary uh, disturbances caused by outside forces that overpower the mind and thus tend toward the irrational, unstable, and unpredictable. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So passions reflect the mutable that is changing conditions of creatures under the power of both a finite and sinful natures. Thus, in this sense, God is without passion. Right. 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 Just <clears throat> uncontrolled. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what we would come to expect from from God is is an uncontrolled aspect Uh uh, you know, God is a jealous God. Well, he's not sitting there and he all of a sudden learns that, uh, you know, the, the Israelites have gone off to foreign gods and he goes, I'm going to take them out all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, yeah. it, he's, he's not one to, to have, have new information revealed to him that flips the switch into, to, you know, droll or happiness to, <laughs> to anger and pain. <clears throat> However, on the other hand, God does have affections. He is affectionate. In classical Orthodox, affections refer to voluntarily, self-controlled, rational, stable, predictable dispositions of the soul. Mm. Conversely, passions represent alterations to the soul, but God cannot be moved either negatively or positively by people, things, and events. He doesn't doesn't react to that. Uh, in the sense that his uh, self-sufficient dispositions are not dependent on the actions of others. Again, God is not carried along in the, the confines of time and, uh, uh, you know, c- comes up to the Holocaust and is aghast at what, what goes on. Yeah. And, and Surprise, and so he has to react and get angry right. and whatever. But right. we can also see where this kind of muddled things come from if you— uh, if, if you're reading scripture again from from maybe a, a Western perspective and we see the Tower of Babel being built and uh, God seems to go, hmm, let us go down and, and, and view these, uh, you know, things or, or uh, you know, the, the evil has conflated so much that God all of a sudden seems to want to wipe out humanity and he, he rejects his idea of even creating mankind. Mm-hmm. Well, if he does that, why does he say no? And yeah. so we have to we have to understand that we're we're not reading a, a two minded God here. We're not reading a God who suddenly switches. We, we we allow God to to have this this characteristic of humanity in order to c- communicate with us, uh, and so He does so in a language that uh, that we can understand. So exactly. He l- allows Moses to be the en- intercessor for His people, and again uh, have have a a uh, a, a positive image. Here that that then is uh, uh, carried over into especially the the incarnation itself, and so he is not surprised by what he already knows and has decreed from all eternity. Again, uh, he he's not surprised by the, the 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 worst thing that happened in all of humanity was the 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 death of Jesus Christ, the most perfect person that ever lives, the 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 only true person that ever faced a trial that was completely one hundred percent not guilty of all things, <laughs> and so he's not surprised that the cross happened. That was the whole point, and all the preceding points leading to that, and from that point to the end, how can God declare that uh, that uh, uh, death and Hades will be, uh, or, uh, d- death and suffering will be thrown into Hades, and 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 uh, the devil and his kind will will be defeated. How can he know that if he's all of a sudden surprised by, uh, yeah, you know, the World Trade Center bombing or or or, or, or uh, you know, uh, uh, World so War Two. God hopes yeah. that the devil he, he will crossed be his different. fingers and, and, and gritted his teeth. Well, yeah. 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 So again, if, if, if you are to believe in prophecy, you know, from, uh, from the, the, the preceding this point onward or from our future uh, point of view backwards, uh, you have to believe that, that God has these, 
these affections, but not these these passions. Exactly. So this with this distinction then, affections and passions, uh, you know, God is affection has affections, but this doesn't mean that God, uh, Christensen tells us, is you know kind of stoic and impersonal, <laughs> aloof, unfeeling, yeah. right? That kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Rather, it means that the mental states of God, that is the uh, intrinsic to his internal Trinitarian being, right, are perfect and perfectly poised. Right. Uh, thus, God's uh, t- temporal responses to actions are appropriately and precisely measured and known from all eternity, having proceeded from his eternal nature and what he has decreed. So when scripture speaks of God's responses of love or hate, uh, uh compassion or anger, joy or grief, and so forth. These reflect, Christensen tells us, his eternal, incorruptible, righteous character. Mm-hmm. And this is where like <clears throat> open theists tend to take it and run for the field goal and say, oh, see, God's love, therefore, you know, he's, he's able to change and he falls out of love with people and uh, he experiences love in different degrees and in certain time periods, so therefore God's subject to time, and so he's carried along by time too. Whew, okay, let's, let's move on. <laughs> okay, but... To, to understand what all of scripture is teaching that this isn't decrees from, from a count, a church council, because you know, that they were, they were, you know, th- throwing dice and, and if it came up, even they would go this way, or it wasn't the, the might makes right type deal. This was a discussion uh, founded on, on what's found in scripture. That's then carried on through our human uh, expression of language and understanding. And again, uh, I think we, uh, talked about it a little bit over the past couple of episodes is the the time and place when these councils took place uh, you had kind of the 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 greek uh philosophy that came out you you had rome that perpetuated and and expanded it into uh, a lot of the known world and we had terms that we didn't have before that helped us kind of to understand these these thought processes of of, of understanding uh, uh, you know, being in person. And, and that's why those councils kind of reflect that terminology. And that's why we also have to read um, from their perspective what that language uh, means there. So furthermore, God's affections are unique in relation to human beings. In other words, they are not related to our affections unequivocally. That They're not exactly like ours, nor are they equivalently related. They're not completely unlike ours. Rather, they are analogically related. They're similar, but also dissimilar to ours. Right, so now this, these are um, important distinctions, and, uh, uh, and you know, you'll, as you do reading in these areas, you'll see these distinctions, right? So we have the uh, univocal, the equivocal, and the analogical, right? So the question was, how does God relate to us with regard to, you know, his affections? Is it univocal? Is it exactly like ours? And he says, no, it's not. Is it is it totally distinct, unrelated, equal vocal, right? No, right? It's 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 not. They're not totally just you know completely. He tells us college. about it, and we can exactly. we're expected to understand it. And yeah. so that's it, they're analogical, is what he wants us to see, right? They're similar, but they're dissimilar right. to ours, right. right? It's it's kind of when we anthropomorphize animals, and we say, oh, uh, th- this dog is curious because they cock their head. Well, is that is that exactly what they're experiencing? That they're they're sitting down and they're going, hmm. So new 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 thoughts are, are transmitting through uh, past my s- s- synapses, and <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm uh, logically deducing what what the 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 best explanation for um, uh, the 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 new uh, uh, information that I've received are. Well, no, but but we 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 
take what uh, we're seeing uh, and and the the kind of the snap uh, reactions of animals, and we're we're applying to uh, them what we can relate to, mm. and so we're, we have to do the same here to to God. Mm. Thus, scriptural uh, depictions of God's affections are indeed analogical, but they are not mere anthropomorphisms. So they're not mere anthropomorphisms. They're not mere accommodations to human understanding. God has real feelings. He is perfectly vibrant in his affections. Again, they, 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 they're not, they're not uh, oh, oh, this makes for the good story, so we'll just apply these features to God because that would then make God a liar when he says, uh, you know, uh, he feels grieved or he feels love. If, if those things are, are the same, then the, the grieving seems to be a, a, a reaction to um, uh, outward stimulus that he didn't expect. Right. But then if he, if he doesn't, if he doesn't feel love, then what is he feeling towards us? What, what, right. what is, what is he trying to accomplish by saying right. that he is love? Well, it needs to be this, this um, kind of, uh, uh, kind of parallel, um, understanding of in similar fashion. Right, right. So that's the idea of analogical. He says some important distinctions will bring clarity here. So unlike humans, God can never have sinful emotions such as bitterness and grief, uh, anxiety, lust, unjust anger, right? Temp- temper tantrums or petty forms of jealousy, right? Nor can he be characterized by weak, that is finite, and uh, debilitating emotions such as pain and sorrow due to some loss to himself or a depression, fear, or disappointment. Although there is a real and important sense, he tells us, in which he can be displeased by sin or grieved over the pain of others. All right. <clears throat> so this is where the principal meaning of impassibility must direct us. To speak of God as impassable means that he is unable to suffer as humans do. He suffers no loss or threat to his intrinsic perfections as God, right? He, if God were able to suffer those things, he would no longer be God. Right. So he continues to be God. It is also in this sense that God is without passions. God does not suffer physical pain because he is an incorporeal being. He does not suffer mental pain like anguish. For this would indicate a weakness, thereby some outside force could alter his mental dispositions in a deliberating manner. He's not making something that's greater than himself. So there's nothing within creation that could then um, come in and interact with God to, to, to make him they feel like God. that yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thus, when God expresses his wrath, grief, or displeasure, it's not due to some loss in his tranquility or blessedness. Rather, it is the proper response of his love of his righteousness and of his justice that uniformly expresses his perfect blessedness. Mm-hmm. So it's from God's character that he should uh, uh, express those qualities in that way. Yeah, good. Uh, the next section then he wants us to understand here is divine compassion and the eradication of suffering, right? He says, uh, so keeping this in mind, this all this idea of God is different from us, and yet he uh, you know, has affections and that sort of thing. He doesn't respond, but he does have these various affections. He says, keeping this stuff in mind, we must see the importance then of properly construing God's love. It is simply not true that for God to love and sympathize with his creatures, notice he must necessarily suffer as they do. Suffering is not a constitutive uh, element of love, 
right? right? So in order for him to identify, he doesn't have to suffer, right? God may express deep compassion, he tells us, for those who suffer without suffering and hurt uh, himself. This is a great source of comfort. Notice the sick do not need another sick person, but a powerful and loving healer, right? So, yes, a person uh, can sympathize and have compassion uh, over a sick person, but they don't have to be sick themselves, right. right? So if God were of such a nature that he suffered when his creatures suffered, think about that. Every time a creature suffered, God had to suffer. Then he would be the most uh, to be pitied, right? <laughs> right. is what Christensen tells us. Right. His omniscience and love would taste the bitter poison of every tragedy in history. Uh, the majestic God, he says, would be dethroned in misery. Right. right? And, and we might think that suffering is kind of this necessary quality for love because, oh, you know, it's it's uh, it's ideas of, uh, oh, uh, if you get married, you're, you're, you, you say goodbye to your time and money, the old ball and chain. <laughs> um, you know, if, if uh, we read our stories about love, it's always, uh, you know, the, the liar revealed uh, Aladdin has to be Prince Ali in order for him to get Jasmine. But then, uh, you know, he, he, he's revealed as the, 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 um, the, the guy out in the street. Um, or it's, it's the, the man who, who uh, women who are separated because of some kismatic, uh, serendipitous, uh, uh, tra- tragedy of events, a uh, tragedy of comedy. Um, and, and so kind of from our, um, our desire to dramatize uh, uh, love, uh, I think that's where our idea kind of of, of suffering in love. And, and and I think when we speak like that too, uh, oh, you know, uh, it, it's important for Jesus to suffer because um, he can he can love us better or, or, or he, he, he's able to relate to us and, and therefore we can, we can relate better to, to, to him. It, 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 it seems like um, our explanations, while they, that might be helpful and, and truthful in some capacity, as we'll get into a little bit later, um, I think that's where kind of the, the, the mix up tends to, to happen there. Okay. So why don't we end it there and then pick up the rest of this next time? An important topic. We need a breather. That's right. So we'll see you next time. See ya.